Today we continue, if you were here last week, you heard uh, James Brian Smith speak to kick off our uh, nine-week study of the good and beautiful God. Today we talk about something that's pretty, uh, pretty simple. The phrase, God is good. In fact, it might seem silly to spend an entire morning on that three-word phrase, God is good. It's simple, maybe even seem simplistic. It's one of the first things we teach our children. Some of us remember the blessing that we learned before the meals. I'll say the first word, you say the line, you say the second line, God is great, God is good. Let us thank Him for our food, I know, yeah, amen. It's at the core of the Christian faith that God is in fact good. But God is good is not sinking in uh, for some of us. Follow with me the story of a young lady. She's born into a, a Christian family, a, a family that attends church every time the doors are open, and um, even as a little one, she learns that God is good. She says that blessing around the table at home. But then, <clears throat> then she grows to be a, a middle schooler, middle schooler, and one of her close friends, a, a girl in middle school, one of the finest Christian young ladies she knows, dies with leukemia. And she wonders, even as a, a teenager, she wonders, how would a good God let my friend die? Then uh, she eventually goes off to college and she's in freshman history class and she learns about the Crusades. She learns about how Christians marched off not only to fight Muslims over the Holy Land, but she learns that lots of those soldiers under the banner of the cross committed some awful acts toward women and children. And then she learns about the, the Inquisition in the Middle Ages, how church leaders in the Inquisition persecuted, even killed Christians who simply disagreed with the way they spoke of God. And she wonders, how could crusaders or these inquisitors, how, how could a good God let people do such awful things in His name? And she begins to wonder again, is God really good? But then she goes to some Christian organization on campus, a student organization, and she meets this really cute guy who is a really fine Christian. They begin to attend Bible studies together. They date on Saturday nights, and they go to church together on Sunday mornings in their college town. And, and his faith is so strong that her faith, though it had begun to falter, her faith in a good God is restored. Now, granted, her boyfriend speaks an awful lot about how husbands are supposed to be the, the head of the home, and she doesn't think a whole lot about that. And then they get married, had a big church wedding. Her parents loved him. But after they got married, he began to speak rather harshly to her. He began to treat her a little more like property than an equal 
And when she asked him where he, where he learned that, where he got the authority to do that, he, he spoke about wives supposed to submit to their husbands, and he wasn't kidding when he, when he said that. Eventually, his tone became so harsh that it bordered on abuse. And so she made an appointment to go see the pastor, and she told the pastor that her husband was treating her like that, and she was so disappointed and even shocked when the pastor said, well, I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't usurp the authority of your husband over you. And, and so when she left uh, the pastor's office, she was done. Now, she, she wasn't sure whether she was going to stay in the marriage or not, but she was quite sure that this God of whom she had heard growing up was not, in fact, good. A good God would not plan uh, something like this. Follow with me a, a young man who grew up in a church, in a Christian home, went to a church where they often talk, talked about judgment. God, it seemed to him as a little boy, was the, was the scorekeeper in the sky. It always seemed that people in his church were talking about judgment. There was the judgment of ancient days when God judged and acted violently, in fact, against those who opposed Israel. And the judgment of the coming days when at the end of time all the unbelievers would stand before God the judge. Even judgment in today when it seemed like every time a hurricane would blow through New Orleans, the preacher would preach on Bourbon Street and all those, how God would, would not turn a blind eye to all that vile iniquity on Bourbon Street and blame the hurricanes on the sinners in New Orleans. There's a lot of talk about judgment and, and hell. They talked a lot about hell in this young man's church. And when they did, even when the preacher did, there was no sense of, you know, compassion or pity or Remorse, it seemed like they were kind of glad about it that, you know, hell was just, just seemed what some folks deserved. And, and the picture he got of God growing up was, was really not of a good God. It was of a harsh, rather vindictive God. Now, that young man and that young woman are just hypothetical, of course, but after the 8.15 service this morning, a gentleman came to me and said, you know, I, I lost my son some years ago. And it was a long time before I believed that God was good. Some, some of us wonder maybe if God is indeed good. We know we're supposed to believe that. We know we ought to believe that. But maybe deep down, some of us, maybe somebody listening to me wonders if, in fact, God is good. And this is not just an academic kind of conversation. How we view God, listen, how we view God shapes how we, how we view the world. This is not just an ivory tower debate whether God is good or not. Whether God is good or not is not just an interesting topic for Sunday school or seminary. Whether we believe God is good will determine how we view the world. So let's, if, if we believe God is, it, it determines how we will view those outside 
the church circle, not just our church, but church with a capital C. If we believe God is good or not, that will shape how we view people outside the church. Because if we believe God is angry and cold and, and harsh and mean and vindictive, then we'll probably act that way toward people outside the church circle. We'll, we'll look down on them. We'll, we'll judge them. We'll, we'll forget the, you know, the sawdust in our eye and or excuse me, the plank in our eye and look at the sawdust in theirs. And we might be saying mean things on, on social media. If we think God is angry and cruel and harsh and mean and vindictive, that's probably how we're going to treat people not like us. How we view God will determine how we, how we respond when bad things happen. If we think God is angry and cold and heartless and mean and vindictive, then when something bad happens, we will blame God. We might even shake our fist at him. But if we believe God is good, then we will turn to Him for help, for peace and strength. How we view God will determine how we respond when we fall and stumble and fall, and we inevitably will. If I think God is angry and cold and hard, harsh and mean and vindictive, then when I stumble, I will respond in fear. I'll be afraid. I will, I will wallow in my shame and my guilt and... Yet if I think God is good, I'm more likely to embrace His grace, His unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love. See, how we view God, this is a big deal, whether we believe God is good. It will shape, in fact, the way that we, the way we, we view uh, the world. It is important that we know God is, is in fact, good. But Travis, what about, what about the wrath of God? I, you know, you say he's good, but there are those. Now, Travis, don't, don't ignore those stories in the Bible of when God acts kind of mean. I know, I get it. I, in fact, I love, the, I love the church I grew up in. I owe a great deal to that church. They nurtured me and mentored me and loved me and encouraged me. And from that family of faith, I sensed a call to be a missionary and a pastor. And I love that church. And, and maybe it was me and not the church, but I did grow up with a kind of a sense that God had a mean streak. Because there was a lot of talk about, about judgment and vengeance and a lot of Old Testament stories. Again, I'm not blaming them. It's just what I picked up. So don't, Travis, don't ignore those stories. It's, they're true. But I believe with all my heart that God is in fact... I believe he is at his core, that his true nature is goodness. What about those stories? Well, a guy named Greg Bird helps us out here. He, he wrote a book about the cross, and it, he, he reads the Old Testament through the lens of the cross. So if God displayed his love so perfectly on the cross, then this becomes the lens through which we view all those stories in the Old Testament where God seems to act so uncharacteristic of a good God. So here's how he helped us. He said, imagine with me. So I want you all to imagine this. So Greg Boyd said, imagine I'm walking down the street in town and I'm, I'm, it's, it's the middle of the day and I look across the busy street and on the sidewalk on the other side of the street, I see, street, I see my sweet wife, Shelly. 
And, and I, I try to get Shelly's attention, but it's busy. She doesn't hear me. And I watch Shelly as she walks up to a man in a wheelchair. There's a panhandler. There's a man who's asking for money. He's sitting in a wheelchair. And I know my wife, Shelly. She's sweet. She approaches him. I think she's going to give him money maybe. But she walks up and she screams at him. And she hits him so hard he falls out of his wheelchair. And she grabs his cup and she runs. And I'm left wondering what in the world is going on. For I know my wife, he says, I know her to be sweet and kind and gentle, but my wife, my sweet wife has just knocked a man out of his wheelchair and grabbed his cup and run. And I wonder what is going on with Shelley. All day it bothers me. He said, I, I have really two choices. On the one hand, I could think, well, maybe Shelley's not as sweet as I thought. Maybe she's does have a mean streak. But he says, I know her. I live with her. I know her heart. So I choose to believe there's something going on I don't yet understand. I choose to believe that there's something happened. He said, maybe it was candid camera. Remember candid camera? Some of you do. Uh, he said, maybe it was some sort of sociological experiment. But I choose to believe that my wife really is good and there's something I don't understand. And then at the end of the day, I go home. And when I go home, the, the house is full of people, men and women in dark suits. And they're celebrating. And they see the surprised look on my face and they explain, oh, Mr. Boyd, your wife Shelley is a hero. We're with the Department of Homeland Security. And we knew that there was a bomb threat. We, we targeted the man who was going to blow up the building. And we recruited your wife because she was so unsuspecting. And she foiled a terroristic attack by slapping the man and grabbing the cup and running. And now, he, now he understands. There was something going on I didn't know. But he didn't know it until he got home. His little analogy is so helpful. When we read those stories in the Bible that are so uncharacteristic of a good God, there is something we don't understand and we will not understand until we get home. It helps us understand why there are pandemics, why there are hurricanes, and why central Tennessee would flood so horribly. I don't know why. I don't know why a good God lets that happen. But I know there's something going on I don't understand, and I won't understand until I get home. It helps us understand why there's such a thing as the Taliban. I don't understand that. Why would God allow such an oppressive people to rule a land he loves, Afghanistan? Why would he allowed them to persecute people, including but not limited to Christians. Why would God allow that? I don't know, but I choose to believe there's something going on I don't understand, and I won't understand until I get home. God is good. I know there are things we, that are beyond our, the scope of our understanding, but God at His core, at His nature, is good. So, Travis, how can you say with such certainty that God is good? Two reasons. Number one, it is the recurring theme of the Bible. 
From Genesis to Revelation, there echo words like from Psalm 100 that say, God is good. Oh, there are those times when we get confused because God acts so uncharacteristic of a good God. But remember, one of the, one of the basic fundamental principles of interpreting the Bible is that we interpret the, clear pa- the, the unclear passages in light of the clear passages. So when I read about one of those violent acts in the Old Testament, that's unclear to me. But John 3.16 is clear. Psalm 100 is clear. I look at the, the unclear passages and through the lens of the clear passages, and the clear passages say, God is good. But there's another reason, a bigger reason why I believe God is good. Not only is it the recurring theme of Scripture, but I believe God is good because Jesus is good. In John 14, 9, Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So the stories about Jesus are the stories of God, the stories of Jesus healing people. That's God on earth in the flesh. The stories of Jesus loving the unlovable, those are the stories of God on earth in the flesh. Almost 20 years ago, uh, in another state, Carrie and I were driving home from a A high school football game, it was away in another county, and we were driving home in a a convoy of such, of sorts, with other parents and cars and the the bus that carried the team. And uh, up ahead we saw the, the emergency lights. As we inched up to the accident, we saw a pickup truck that we recognized and two teenage boys we recognized, friends of our son. And they were walking around, so we breathed a sigh of relief. Oh, they're okay. But by the time we got back to the school, to the parking lot, word already had reached there. Those were, these are the days before cell phones. That there were three young men in that pickup truck, and one of them had died. And he was a member of the church I served, 16 years old. I hurried home, and I called the sheriff's office and told him who I was, what had happened, and he confirmed that it was true, and uh, he already had dispatched a deputy to the home. I jumped in my car, and I wanted so badly to beat the deputy there, but I didn't. I pulled in. the, The deputy's car was in the driveway. When I came in the door, he had just, just told them their son had died, and they, they were screaming that there had to be a mistake. And then when the news did sink in, they they just sat in stunned silence. I stayed there a couple of hours, went home. I'll never forget going home and walking room to room where our kids lay sleeping, kissing them in their sleep. And then I sat on on the edge of our bed and just wept. The next morning, I went back to their home. Mom was sitting there in sweatshirt, sweatpants. Her disheveled hair and bloodshot eyes spoke of a sleepless night. 
I didn't have any words. So we just sat together and I held her hand. After a while, she began to wonder out loud where God was the previous night. Where was God last night when my boy was killed, she wondered. If God is powerful and he's good, why did he, why did he let that happen? And then, and then she'd turn around and she'd tell a story of Jesus. In fact, she, she went into great detail telling the story about how Jesus said, let the children come to me. And she seemed to take comfort in talking about how Jesus loved the children. And then she said something that I, I think I will remember as long as I'm on this earth. She said, Travis, I know Jesus, but I don't know God. Think about that. I know Jesus, she said. I don't know God. I know why she said that. She was grieving. She was confused. But now, in better days, I hope she realized how misguided that declaration is. Because as she knows Jesus, she does know God. I and the Father are one. He who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus said. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know whether or not God is good, read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and see the story of Jesus, who loves with an, a love that is unparalleled, that is unmatched. And you will know that God is, in fact, good. And that will make all the difference in the world as to how you view your world. I will say the first line, if you'll say the second. God is great. One more time. God is great with a little more convincedness. Is that a word? Well, it ought to be if it's not. God is great. He is, in fact, good. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. 496 is our hymn. 496. We sing so that you can make a public decision to be part of our church family. You would make our day if you would, while others are singing, if you would walk forward to where the ministers are and let us welcome you into the church family. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then you would make our year if you would walk forward and let us talk with you about what that means or to go public with maybe a private faith in Jesus, maybe to be baptized. Others will be singing. Ministers down here will be waiting for you. Let's stand, please.